0: Coming up on Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat.
1: Networking is, is I think, a, a misused term. Build relationships and find people who will help motivate you and keep you interested in, and drive you to do things in a different way. And
0: Fascinating insights coming up from our guest today, Rob Newson. We're always extremely humbled when people show us support on the show. Today, we'd like to say a big thank you to the sponsor of the episode, Commit Action we've had the privilege of using CommitAction first hand. It's an online productivity coaching and tracking system. CommitAction pairs you with a dedicated accountability coach whose sole job is to give you clarity on what needs to get done and the accountability to make sure you do it. Check them out at commitaction.com where you can sign up for some free training and we'll have a code for you coming up in the next few weeks.
1: Welcome to Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat with your hosts, David Clancy and Kieran Dunn.
2: This is a podcast about high performance. What we are striving to achieve is to figure out what makes high performing individuals tick, why they do what they do and why they are successful.
0: Enjoy a journey of stories, lessons and learnings.
2: Today we spoke with Rob Newson, VP of Strategy and Vision at the Philadelphia 76ers, a master integrator of ideas, personalities, and actions, skilled and experienced at getting the best from teams, concepts, and processes. Rob is driven by a sense of contribution and community and motivated by challenges, teamwork, and the finish line. A 30-year Navy SEAL, now retired from the Navy, he's renowned for his creativity, unconventional approaches, leadership, project management, and inter and intra-organization coordination. Rob has a PhD in leadership studies and was the director at the White House Military Office, part of the U.S. Department of Defense. We speak about how he got into the NBA, cultivating and retaining championship DNA, be that identity and culture, and what he brings to the table in his role with the 76ers. The value and importance of teamwork is dug into. If you want to go far, go with others. Rob explains his workouts to get rid of body rust and unpacks the Honor Foundation, a world class career transition institute for U.S. special ops. Find out more at www.honor.org. Rob Newsom, thank you very much for coming on the show. Nice and early for you. I suppose the big question we'd like to kick off with is, uh, what does a man like you, who's achieved so much, have for breakfast?
1: <laughs> I think on the menu today is a banana.
2: Just banana. We were we were expecting eggs Benedict and stack of pancakes with blueberries. That's what we were expecting.
1: Now I've got a, I've got a workout I need to get to after this. It's funny as you as I get older, the rust builds up fairly quickly. So if I don't work out in a couple of days, then then the joints start telling me that I'm an old man. I don't want that.
2: And what what do you do that I suppose delays the onset of more rust?
1: I um. What, oh last last year pandemic purchase we got a uh, a peloton so i've been into peloton workouts i'm traveling now so I'll, I'll do a a a body a body weight uh workout outside in the park
0: and then looking back over our whiteboard session here we did looking into your research and your background you say self-care is essential this is part of your self-care routine how is how important is it for you
1: it's it's absolutely enormous and and i can tell again like i said not only does that rust build up after a couple days but but uh you know I, i i'm not as emotionally attuned or mentally sharp as when i'm when i'm working out and it used to you know growing up as a seal that was that was part of your job and so you did it you did it every day and and so when once i got out i I, I fell out of the routine a little bit and I got back in and, and so it's, it's easy to get distracted, but it's, it's so it's, it's part of taking care of yourself. And, and my wife always says, Hey, if you're not going to do it for, for you, do it for us.
0: Is physical activity and exercise the most important part of that self-care or what other factors come into it?
1: Well, I'm, I'm discovering all that, right? Breathing and meditation are, are new to me, but I've been picking that up. I think that's important. And then, um, you know, I, for me, it's, it's intellectual stimulation as well. So I always try to find half an hour, an hour to read something that, that I find interesting.
2: Which brings us on to, is there anything that a man of 30 years of military now working in the MBA has read over the last year or two pandemic time that's really shifted your perspective or made you think differently?
1: I'm trying to think back what I've read in, in the last year. I was just absolutely devoured a book called um, Deep Survival. Who lives, who dies and why? And, and this guy has been um, a longtime reporter, often reporting on, on wilderness accidents and plane accidents. And he walks through both the psychology and, and the neurology of, of survivors and, and how they go through life and what they do. And I found that absolutely fascinating. And, of course, I'm reading it from the perspective that I've been thinking about a lot lately of athletes who are under enormous pressure, who, unlike me, have grown up in the digital age. And, you know, Twitter and Twitter followers actually mean something to them, and it can devastate their their day or be overwhelming when – You know, the world turns against you because you didn't have a good game or or you've got other issues. And so, you know, I've been thinking about Simone Biles and and Osaka and um, tennis players who who smash their rackets and thinking about what it means to be a survivor and how you get through enormous pressures of of life and of of your job. So that's that's been a fascinating book. I highly recommend Deep Survival.
2: And we've just seen the picks were announced for Team Europe in the Ryder Cup yesterday, and we're all saying here in this continent that hopefully the uh, bit of tension in the U.S. team causes them to somehow slip up because the talent, right? But when you look at Kupka and Bryson, and how are they going to survive and uh, try to take the cup back from Europe?
1: You're way outside of my my depth there, and, <laughs> and it's, it's funny I have not been a guy that follows sports at all. I played college football. I, I was, you know, I ran track and played basketball and played football in high school. And, and so I, I casually track college stuff, but never really was into pro sports. And so I interviewed with the Sixers. Uh, they asked me, why are you so excited to be in the NBA? And I said, you know, I'm not. I'm here because you guys started talking about teams, leadership, and culture, and that's what I'm passionate about. So honestly, I'm you know i not a huge uh, sports guy and, and don't follow it closely. When I have a question, I usually ask my son what's going on in the sports
0: <laughs> And then as part of your role as vice president of Strategy and Vision, how would you describe your day today or what exactly does a role like that entail?
1: It's It's been fascinating because it's it's morphed every season i'm starting my third season and and that's that in itself is hard to believe Uh, you know the pandemic i think has kind of fast forwarded the nba and thrown us off on our normal scheduling but it's changed every season but but uh the two things that have remained consistent you know is is leadership and and decision-making support so i work closely with the with the general manager who's an outstanding leader and and just we we walk through and kind of frame decisions and frame discussion points and the other pieces. Um, I'm focused on the culture of the staff and most most teams. I think spend a lot of time and Doc Rivers is a phenomenal coach and culture builder, but that's focused on the 17 guys that are on the team on the five guys on the court around the very close coaching staff and support. And so as far as the rest of the staff go, I think most, most organizations don't spend a lot of time thinking about that culture. You know, what you, what you reward and what you celebrate, what you sanction is, is your culture. And so we spend, we spend time thinking about that for our, our staff members and, and the organization, the iceberg under the water, if you will, that supports the team and helps them win.
2: From an experience of 30 years in the military and, and teaming and sense of identity and to, to borrow the words from Owen Eastwood, sense of belonging, obviously pretty profound. Curious as to, with an NBA team, with so much transition, performance department, front office players, year to year, how can you retain and, and continue to nurture identity and culture because so much moves
1: yeah and and those are exactly our conversations you know coming from 30 years in, in the military and it it, it wasn't very transactional m- meaning you know I knew I always had a job no one was wondering what value I brought to the organization on that day. And and of course, you know, the SEALs are, are driven dudes. And, and so we were focused on results, but there, there wasn't that, uh, that bottom line, the cot commodization of individuals that I noticed immediately when you step into a professional sports organization. So it's, it is about moving from a transactional world, which is always going to be there. And it's going to be very pressing. And, and, you know, people worry and wonder at the end of every season, am I, am I going to be around? And, and so how do you build a team around that? And, and it's not easy. I tell you, we're, we're struggling with it. Like, like every other team that focuses on this does it's not, it's not a fire and forget evolution. It's not something that, that you, begin and and don't have to think about it's something you have to think about every day and and it extends not only to you know how you how you treat who your team members are but how you transition to people who are no longer there that that you think about them as people and and to me that's that's the bottom line and and i'm a big uh, believer in in the outward mindset if you're not familiar with the Arbinger Institute, the, the book "Leadership and Self Deception" it's it's phenomenal. But th- their whole thesis is that that to live a full and meaningful life, you have to think of others, and and really that's that's what a, a robust and important culture that that lasts from season to season is about is it's just not about me and what I want to do. It's about us, and it's about you, and how can I help you get achieve your results. So we're you know, we're in the fight daylight to to figure that out. And some days we're successful and some days we're not
0: with that outwards thinking mentality and the mindset, was that always ingrained in you? Was it innate that you grew up like that? Or was this the SEALs or was it your time with the 76ers that it really came to the fore?
1: Well so when I was when I was commanding officer of a brand new SEAL team, I was working on my PhD in leadership studies at the university of San Diego. So I was walking through the bookstore, looking at, at, at books that, that I didn't have to read and I found leadership and self-deception and it was so impactful that, that I brought Arbinger Institute into the team and actually had them run seminars to to teach it. So that was, you know, that was probably 15 years ago or, or more. Which got me on this path, and and you know humans are naturally <laughs> self focused, and successful humans are even more self focused, right? You have to have a drive, and and a belief in yourself that propels you forward, and so when you're successful, you're naturally you, you naturally believe yourself smarter and better enabled than other people who maybe aren't successful. So it can be difficult to, to lift your head up and, and think more holistically and think like a team. Certainly. I think that SEAL teams are, are, are a great foundation for me because it was team before self, you know, as you've finished any mission, it was, was team gear, your gear, and then yourself. So it, it helped to put, uh, to put the brakes on that, that massive ego that you can develop. But I, I, you know, like everyone, I think it's been a work in progress and, and it continues to be things when things go wrong, you can constantly think about yourself and what it means to you. I, I think back to the league shut down and we went into hiatus and, and, you know, it's, it's easy to become internally focused, but but I had the great opportunity to be on our coronavirus task force, and and immediately the organization is thinking about everyone in it and and how you calm the nerves and how you communicate better, and so it, it really transforms the way both you think as an individual and, and as an organization.
2: Rob, I'd love to pull on that point you alluded to about team versus self, and you know we've 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 heard about that. Now you're in a world where there's a lot of personality. There's a lot of ego. Maybe, maybe you're not always facing it with the players on court, but for, for people listening that work in those environments, corporate sporting organizations, and they're trying to maximize talent, but also get it all to gel together cohesively. What would you suggest?
1: First of all, it's, it's about from one perspective, it's about building relationships and you, you know, from, from a team or a staff or an organization, you can't have trust without building relationships. But I think trust is the absolute critical element when you're talking about um, alpha personalities, extremely talented and, and um, successful people who have no, no one it takes for them to succeed. And so it's an effort to get everyone focused on what it takes for us to succeed, that's the most enjoyable, exciting thing for me. Is when when people start start talking about we and us instead of me and I. You know what I need, what I want. It's I think part of an everyday conversation to get people to to focus more more broadly. And, and so, uh, to me, one of the things we use is is something. We refer to as as red flags so you know a red flag is when i start using i and me in the conversation too much it helps me to think about oh where's my head and what am i thinking about and and is this team before self kind of conversation
0: and why is it so important what happens when the mindset shifts from inwards to outwards and what could happen to a culture or a team if they do ingrain that and live that each day
1: well, I, I, think, I think the first thing that changes is organizationally, I'm, you know, I'm not talking about a, a sports team right now, but, but even, even a staff, but any organization, when you, when you start to develop an outward mindset, you start to overcome stovepipes and, and increase communication. So with an outward mindset, I'm thinking, hey, maybe I just found some, something out. Maybe David needs to know that. And, and I pass along. If, if I have an outward mindset, I'm trying to get take care of, of my needs and my desires and my wants in the organization while I'm thinking about, well, how does, how does this affect other people and, and other parts of the organization? So, you know, if, if I'm in the ops part and, and the equipment guys, the logistics guys or the medical guys need, need something, is is it my scheduling that that dictates everyone else or am I trying to figure figure out how I fit my stuff in around them that's that's one of the big ones I think for for us is is not driving on your own driving solely on your own requirements and needs but but trying to work your stuff around everyone else and can can we both get our objectives done even though they may be vastly different by thinking about each other and, and moving forward in in an outward mindset kind of way.
2: What about those people that are, I don't know, maybe a little bit narcissistic or aspirational or, or looking for the next big thing, the next promotional piece, and they're kind of on that way. How can we help them understand and educate them as to the importance of not forgetting serving others? Because like we're really looking forward to digging into the Honor Foundation, what that's all about. But for those people that they have to think about themselves a little bit maybe because they're, they're trying to get that next job or that promotion. What can we, how can we help them?
1: Yeah. Um, To me, the most important insight is that, that um, you really can't do it by yourself. Right. I mean, you you may be the most talented athlete on the court, but uh, you know, one guy is, is not going to win a championship. And I think everybody certainly on, on, our team and, and every team understands that. And so you know if, if you want to go fast, go by yourself. If you if you want to go far, go with others. And, and so I think for those people who might be self-focused, it's it's slow conversations about how they really achieve achieve their results and get after what they need to get after. And it's you know, often uh, it's it has to be, with other people. And, you know, I think when, when you're focused on yourself, you can see people as, as, as an object and, and, and there's really three kinds of objects. You know, if, if, if I'm focused on myself, then, then people are either an obstacle in my way. They're a tool that I get what I want, or they just don't matter because of neither one of those. And, and really the outward mindset is about getting, Getting individuals and, and we're talking about self-focused individuals right now, getting individuals to see others as as real people and not as objects, not as somebody that either is in your way or somebody that you can get something out of. And and that's probably the biggest transformation is when you start start really thinking about people as people and, and they have the same wants, needs and desires as you. You know, the, the greatest athletes and superstars are, are not the ones who who perform the best but they're the ones who get others to perform at a higher level and up to their level and, and so that's really what we're talking about
2: we'd love to lean into that we're talking about you know teams and environments and kind of finding where everyone really fits and where they they're really strong and and what we've seen when you just looked on research and your LinkedIn is you your strength finder five, it's an exercise that Kiron and I have done in our own time to help us maximize our, our kind of working environment. Some people think about weaknesses and gaps and often they don't yeah. always focus enough on the maximizing of the strengths and environment. So Kiron's good at this, David's good at this, therefore we're both better as a team because of that. So. We're trying to understand should people be thinking more about more strengths analysis not a, always necessary gaps analysis in sports
1: and, and corporations and things like that for with without a doubt and you know part of that is is and again I, most conversations at, at the 76ers or i work a little bit with the new jersey devils and i i say look i don't know anything about basketball or hockey And that's, that's my intro. So I'll use it now. You know, I don't know anything about about the NBA. I've been been in it for a couple of years and I'm, I'm I'm learning, but you know, my, my insight is off of the court. But, but as, as you look at people building a team, it it has to be a balance of, of strengths. And um, so you're focused on how strengths fit together. I had the great opportunity. I had had a SEAL buddy of mine who got out of the Navy and started a consulting firm. And um, one of the things they did is this really neat, neat assessment called Working Genius, and it it kind of walked through um, where you get strength from where where you draw satisfaction and, and and where you draw motivation from in in your work life and also those those places that that drain you. And so this this working genius assessment went through, you know, do I find strength in in wonder or innovation or discernment or implementation and and we as a, as a front office staff, we all took that. And it was fascinating to see different people's strengths and working genius. You could see how they thought the way they thought and why they asked the kind of questions they, they asked. We also could see where we would get stuck because we had a lot of people in one or two areas, but we probably didn't have a galvanizer who got the team focused on moving forward or or either parts and pieces of, of something we were we were missing and we needed to tap into somebody's strength, even though they may be a junior member on the staff, they brought a unique strength to the table when we were working on certain issues. Working genius was was something I recently discovered that I, I thought was was really fascinating and, and gets to your point that we, especially in the in the United States are are great about focusing on things we need to improve. And, you know, that's where most training is, is, is spotting, spotting places where you need to get better. But, but there's an aspect of how I leverage my strengths and, and how I don't, don't lose track of, of what I'm really bringing to the team. Those are, those are critical pieces of, of building a successful team that, that has legs.
0: Just going back about two years, you take up the role with 76ers and you're walking in for your first few days, first few weeks. What were some of the biggest strengths or maybe the aspects that you most valued or admired that you've seen in that organization?
1: Yeah. You know, I felt so lucky to be there and, and there was, there was a significant level of, of humility around the organization. This is the ultimate level. People eat sleep and dream about being in the NBA. And these guys, the front office staff, particularly who I was working with or or the athlete care department, were true professionals that that were humble about where they were and what they were doing. and and the other the other piece that I was really impressed with with the front office was they were, they weren't stuck in kind of, you know, hey, this is the way we've always done it. They were eager to explore other options and um, bring in other perspectives. And, and that was the reason that I was fortunate enough to be there is because they were open-minded and, and were really eager to bring in people that may not be, you know, cut from the same cloth or from a different mold. And we're one outside or different perspectives. And, and to me, I found that both so exciting and impressive and, and part of a healthy culture is, is not being, you know, in, in an echo chamber where everyone thinks the same. And, and there's a lot of um, sometimes sense dialogue that was incredibly encouraged let's get after how we get better and, and it's good to have differing opinions on that so i was i was pretty happy about the the culture i plopped into with the 76ers and that at the time led, led by Elton Brand and Alex Rucker two guys that that were um, really about innovation and and
2: no ego gives everyone confidence when hearing about you know cognitive diversity originality and y- you don't even know the difference between a basketball and a puck, Rob. Which is uh, gives us all a, gives us all a bit of confidence that we can make it, right?
1: I've talked a little bit with you know about being being a utility player when <laughs> when you don't have deep expertise, you better have broad expertise. And, and you know, I, you mentioned the Honor Foundation. I know we're going to get to that. What military guys and especially what special operations guys bring is a broad insight into how organizations work into communication but most Im- importantly into leadership and, and how how to pull people together and so you know again I'm, I'm not advising anyone on on who to pick in the draft or what to do on the court but but we are talking about you know how you communicate better, how you frame decisions, how how you um, think and lead, in a more holistic and outward mindset way. So, you know, it's, it's, it's not about always bringing in the, the pros from Dover with respect to deep subject matter expertise, but I think you do need some utility players in your organization that, that stitch things together.
2: Common denominator from a lot of the people we talked to on this show is always about serving others. There, it tends to come up a lot and, what about this for a quote? Serve others with honor for life. So their next mission is clear and continues to impact the world. Wow, like that stopped us both on our tracks when we read that. We'd love you to share the Honor Foundation what the genesis says to that, Rob. Yeah,
1: it's it's really a, a great story, um, and it started at uh, at seal training. And we this is I'm, I'm going to get my years wrong, but this is probably. Um, somewhere around 2006. And, and the founder of the honor foundation is a guy named Joe Musselman and Joe was a SEAL candidate. He was going through buds and he broke his back and it was so severe that they, they were medically separating him and medically retiring from, from the Navy. And usually when that happens, they send you across the street to the fleet transition center. And he went to the CEO and he said, please don't send me over there. Um, let me stay here and I'll do anything you want as as I transition out. And I said, okay, Joe. So Joe stayed and he kind of worked in, in the ship store and he worked in admin and he ran into a, a 30-year master chief who was retiring. This is the most senior enlisted uh, position we have. And, and the guy was looking pretty down. He's like, hey, master chief, what's up? And he said, I'm getting ready to retire and this is all I've known in my life and, and I don't know what I'm going to do next. And Joe said, "Well, well, you know, let me see your resume, and I'll help you with help you out with it." And the guy's like, "I don't have a resume." And so he said, "Well, give me, you know, give me all your your military history and and everything you've done, and I'll build a resume." So Joe built the resume and gave it back to the guy. And the guy's like, "This this person is phenomenal. Who is it?" He's like, "Master Chief, that's you." And and so Joe realized that that uh, as as more and more retiring SEALs came to him for help uh, in their resume building, he realized there was a real need. And so he interviewed 200, 200 SEALs that who were out from, you know, 20 years to recently out. And he discovered that, that guys transitioning are usually underemployed or unemployed for up to 18 months. And you're talking about, you know, some of the greatest, Warriors, leaders, thinkers that the nation has produced, and their transition is going very poorly. And so, Joe created a, a fantastic transition institute called the Honor Foundation that brings in professors and speakers from, from business and academia, you know, people from Star, Stanford and Harvard and Yale to talk about networking and negotiating. And, and really, it's a rediscovering of, of who you are. And, um, you know, transitions are the most difficult part of life and, um, often they don't go very well. And the honor foundation has been outstanding in taking these phenomenal men and women who serve the nation and helping them to reframe themselves and, and what they're help them discover their why and figure out what they want to do. And then the honor foundation also is a bridge and has fantastic people in in multiple industries throughout the united states who who help connect and find uh employment and so i found the 76ers and they found me through the honor foundation where one of the senior executives had heard about it and again i said you know they were very open they they did the classic executive search firm to find a replacement for an empty spot, but they also heard about the Honor Foundation and said, hey, can you send a seal my way? I wanna interview him. And, and that's how I got connected. And you know, it, it takes people having a bit of an open mind about, okay, this guy knows nothing about my industry, but I'm pretty sure he knows about leadership and grit and culture and teamwork. And, and so maybe that's important to the organization. Let's figure out if we've got a spot for him. So I can't, I can't say enough about the Honor Foundation and, and they have grown and expanded. They have five campuses across the United States and they do a virtual academy as well that uh, is in every major special operations location and in, in the United States. So they're, they've been doing great work and um, it's, it's so refreshing to see, uh, like I said, transitions are so hard. And, and so when you come from a team and a tribe, The worst thing that can happen is to to lose that and and often that's what happens when you leave the military is is you lose your mooring and your your sense of of team and you lose your tribe you're not there every day with the same guys and gals who are like you you know hard men and women doing hard things and so it's it's so important to to help help people find their next why and and get the next mission moving and, and they're going to crush it. They, they just need a, a little help over the hump. So um, I appreciate you bringing up the Honor Foundation. What what a great organization that is, that is turning loose amazing men and women on, on corporate America.
0: And then blending your academic pursuits, what you've called your intellectual curiosity, and also the transition that you had from SEALs into high-performance sport. Was there and is there anything that you'd give... As a piece of advice to everyone who's maybe had an uncertain time over the last two years, is there one thing you'd say to them in order to best come out of this and thrive after what's been a hard two years for
1: everyone? Well, I think there's a there's a couple things and in a couple other venues I I speak I speak a lot of resilience and and um, how you how you get through tough times and maybe that's why I I found that deep survival book so so fascinating is there's more, more science and foundation to it, but to me, it, this has been a, a really tough pandemic. And, and when I think about other people, it's, this it's been a cruise for me. But I know people are, are struggling and, and either out of work and, and transitioning during a tough period. One, it's it's um, to find and, and keep faith in yourself, to believe that you've got it got it within you, to find that team and tribe that's going to help you focus on the things you need to focus on. I, I have, one of the great things coming out of the pandemic is, is, you know, discovering zoom and, and other technologies to be able to, to reach out and touch people. And I have recurring meetings with, with people who two years ago were complete strangers, but we met through the Cleveland Indians uh, learning and development, or we met um, just in chance or by a LinkedIn connection. And these people have nothing to do with, with my current focus and, and, um, you know, interests, except that they're amazing people who are doing interesting things and, and I can learn from them and they can learn from me. So, you know, I have recurring meetings with, with, with three or four different people and and a couple other groups that are, are really about helping me build deeper connections and and helping me think about things in different ways. So I guess that's my, my key piece of advice is networking is, is I think a a misused term, build relationships and find people who will help motivate you and keep you interested and and drive you to do things in a different way and connect and engage is, is, I guess, my piece of advice as, as people, hopefully as we're, we're coming out of a, a pandemic and everyone's getting vaccinated and, and, uh, we can get back to more normalcy. Rob, thanks
2: very much for sharing all that. We have only one more question for a man who's very much been at the cold face for so long, curious as to what does high performance mean to you, Rob Newsom?
1: A part of it is is about your potential, right? Everybody has a ceiling. I don't think very many people reach that ceiling, but it's about so high performance is is one about striving to be your best and but it's also about achieving achieving results right this isn't this isn't uh you don't get a participant uh ribbon for for showing up you have to achieve results but but my favorite piece of of high performance if you look at at some of the literature it's really about cross-functional integration it's about utilizing multiple skills and capabilities to perform better in athlete care which which I led led for for one season until I moved further into the front office it was a concerted effort to integrate performance sports performance science and medical and nutrition into a more holistic group focus and to lift the athlete even higher and those guys yeah they didn't they didn't need me to do that I was I was learning as they were, as they were doing it. But it's really a, a, a focus on cross-functional integration and performing better as a team and, and actually achieving results, right? So you have to track what you're, what results you're achieving It, What you measure is is what you do. And so you have to figure out what what your goals are and how you're going to measure and, and achieve at a, at a high level. So
2: Robinson, thanks very much for giving us your, your Monday morning uh, enjoy the rest of your day cleaning off the rust in the gym go, the and, go and smash it, enjoy that banana and thank, <laughs> thanks thanks very much for your time wishing you the best of health from across the pond
1: yeah guys really i really enjoyed talking to you and i, I appreciate the opportunity take care and thank time. you
0: thanks Rob. cheers
1: thank you for listening to today's episode of sleep eat perform repeat a story of high performance this was brought to you by how a whole person wellbeing company founded and run from dublin ireland Find out more at howoralife.com, spelt H-A-U-O-R-A-L-I-F dot Please rate, review and share the podcast. Some people want it to happen. Some wish it would happen. Others make it happen. The GOAT, Michael Jordan